All right, well, I guess we'll start, guys. Welcome to the Church Mag Podcast. On this episode, we talk about using Twitter at church, top posts from around the web, and five questions with Jeremy Smith. All right, here we go. This is Eric Dye, along with Jeremy Smith and Phil Schneider, another Hopefully awesome episode of the Church Mag Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about tweeting during church services, or I suppose just sharing social media in general. Guys, what do you guys think about tweeting during the church service, during the sermon? I'm, I'm torn on it. I'm a, I'm a perpetual notebook user. I'll sit down with my, my moleskin and I'll, I'll be writing furiously during a service, sometimes notes, sometimes Whatever my brain clicked on to that moment, or during worship, I'll, I, whatever I, comes to me, I'm starting. To, I'm writing. Uh, it's compulsive. I almost can't stop it. Uh, and so I understand that, that impulse to put things out there, put things down somewhere. So I understand if the need to tweet. I guess <laughs> it's funny how using a device or using. Like you said, a moleskin, basically a notepad, and excuse me to everyone that loves moleskin, just to call it just a pad of paper. Having a pad of paper and a pen or a pencil isn't such a big deal to people, but sending out you know, a tweet or a Facebook message or whatever social media sharing it may be during the church service uh, tends to have a little bit more of adverse reaction. The notebook, in essence, it's me and God right there writing, and I'm, I'm thinking, and he's talking to me. You could look at it that way. Uh, or I'm playing you know, tic tac toe with some kid next to me, uh, but with 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 that, with the social media stuff, I'm, I'm putting things out there, and inevitably, if I share about, say, I share a point from our pastor on Facebook. Well, that's fine, but then someone retweets me, so now I'm checking the retweet and stuff. I, I think the idea of the social media is that it's it's much more. E- easily a distraction. Uh, it's much more uh, likely that that will take your attention off the sermon than a notebook and pen. Yeah, I think that that's a key distinction you made there. With with the tweeting and the sharing, you are taking it outside of those four walls. You're including a third party who's not hearing everything in context. Jeremy, do you have a soapbox for this issue? Because I know you have soapboxes. I do. So there's I see, I see two dilemmas here, and I think that it's all based on what the congregation as a whole is willing to, to put forth because you can pull out your phone and then you end up getting three different elders talking to you after church saying, why did you do this? Yada, yada, yada. And, and they're so focused on the fact that you're using your phone that they are missing the fact that they don't even know what you're doing. Um, so as, as you're moving forward with all this in the church, you need to just recognize that you need to have a lot of people on board. And also, coming from a youth worker standpoint, I know that a lot of different people can be tweeting as well as doing 10 other things on their phone. And I know myself, when I do social media, I instantly get distracted. It's not like a, I might get distracted. It's instantly get distracted. Who else? What are the notifications on there? Oh, my God, goodness, I need to, I have to check this. And, and you just become so compelled that you get distracted. You're not listening to the message. So I do understand that. And I think that there's also a time and a place for all these different things. Would you really want your church to be promoting tweeting if half your congregation doesn't know Jesus, if all the teenagers in your youth group have not made that public declaration that they're following him? So that, so for me, there's a huge draw. If your church is intentionally going after the community to draw them in, to share the gospel with them, that might not be the best thing, but if you are sitting in a leader conference, if you are sitting in a student leadership training, whatever these kind of things are, even if you have in the bolts and 
for somebody to do later after the church service or something that you promote at the beginning or the end of the church service, tweet this. I think that's an amazing thing for you to be able to do. As far as that doing multiple tasks and stuff, I know I'm the kind of person, I'll be honest with you guys. Can I be honest with you guys? Please don't judge me. No, never. Okay, <laughs> never. Uh, if I'm not doing things, like multiple things at once, I have a tendency to fall asleep. So if I can interact with the sermon and maybe do something else at the same time, I'm more apt to stay engaged. And so when I see and read so many articles about how the internet and technology is kind of changing how people's brains are wired, you know, you talked about the youth and tweeting and and doing other things during the sermon. I can't help but wonder if the way our minds are being rewired because of the technology we use, if if the younger generation can be more engaged in what the speaker is talking about, if they're also doing other things at once because they are so used to doing that all the time. Do you think there's any merit in that? I, I think there's some. There's a, a dichotomy there of meeting people where they are in their culture and their in their generational uh, differences. But I think there's also a, a call to to be better and to be different. Um, I'm I'm immensely hyperactive. Uh, I've got to multitask. I'm just like you. If I'm not doing something, I'm falling asleep. I'm, I'll be honest. I'm compulsively writing during service. I, I'll, I'll, after worship service, we're a very charismatic church. After worship, we'll sit down. And it's it's not uncommon for me to, all of a sudden, my brain just turns on and I've got to start writing stuff down. And I wish I wasn't that way sometimes because I miss out. I might I might hear parts of the message, but I'll get to hear the message the way everybody else does. If I if I sit there without a notepad and pen and out of iPhones, so I can't write anything down. I can't take notes. Then yeah, I get I get disengaged and my brain shuts off. But I'm not getting any more of the message by sitting there and writing the whole time. Uh, I'm getting bits and pieces, but it isn't the collective whole that can really do some work in me. There has to be a middle ground. I, I know I'm not trying to be all. all all of one and none of the other, but I feel like that we should be willing to get out of our comfort zone. And if you're comfortable, if, if what makes you comfortable is tweeting and, and multitasking, then you should be willing to put that aside for an hour a week for church. Last summer, someone shared an, uh, a post on Church Mag about the things that they learned about live tweeting during their church service. And there's some great insight in that piece. We won't go over all those details here. You can you can read it uh, on Church Mag. He broke down the first three weeks that they that they did it, kind of as an experiment, and what they learned through the process. It's it's very inter- it's a very interesting read, especially if if you're thinking about being proactive in your church about tweeting. Like I'm sure there's a lot of tweeting that goes on in churches, but there isn't maybe a lot of churches that are gun ho, like put it in the bulletin or say, hey, you know, we're encouraging you to tweet. Get out your smartphones and tweet during the service. That's what they did, and so there's some interesting insight there. But when push comes to shove, at the end of the day, and some other cliche that fits those two. Um, What do you guys say, yay or nay, when it comes to tweeting during the church service? Well, I personally will say that um, for me, church service is about being present with God, trying to simply, I I refer to in the Psalms, it talks about coming back to the castle for a day and then going back out for six days. And so for me, Personally, doing something on Twitter, I know that that is me leaving the castle, me not necessarily being um, in the protection of God and not necessarily resting in Him. So for me, I would say no to this, but at the same time, I know the other six days 
I'm trying to be proactive about doing something like that. And so for me, Sundays recently have become my Sabbath. It didn't used to be that way with youth ministry. So I think that a lot of the times you just need to be intentional about why you're doing it. And so maybe everybody else is doing it and you're not. Or just pushing the fact that you are being intentional, you are challenging them because I don't think a lot of people necessarily see Twitter as a place to evangelize. I don't necessarily think we've said that yet. Of You are using this as a piece of a tool to further the conversation with people, to engage with them, to share your story, God's story, all of this stuff with them. But for me personally, that's when I want to turn it off, when I want to go behind the walls, not worry about the flaming arrows that are getting thrown at me, but I can simply rest. And so for me to turn it back on, for me to try to be evangelizing with people, that's a, t- that's a big deal. And that's something that I actually put a boundary around. Wow, that's very well said, Jeremy. You know, like you pointed out, if it's a community effort of reaching out to spread the gospel, that's like one thing. Otherwise, it almost comes across as something that's basically, is something akin to kids passing notes during the service. You know, you're putting a message out there so that everyone else in church that follows you on Twitter, it's like there's this, this, this sub-layer conversation going on in real time during the service. It's almost like everyone's passing notes or something like that. So that makes a lot of sense. You know, if you're going to do it, be intentional and have have a purpose in the tweeting, not just doing it for the heck of it. Kind of like passing the note. Will you go out with me? Yes or no. Will you accept this? Yes or no. Use your crayon and check. Retweet for yes. <laughs> Scroll for no. Uh, I think that for, for me, and the it then comes down to this, it's if if. It can bring you closer to God. If, if tweeting helps you, like, okay, for me sometimes, a pastor says something amazing. I go, that's an incredible truth. I'll tweet it right out because it's, it, it excites me. And like I said last week with the uh, with the Bible verses, if, if it excites you, it ministers to you, tweet it out. It's fine. But I would challenge those people to put that in the notes app. Hold on to that for later because Sundays are it, it's like it's like a Jesus flood on Facebook and Twitter. Everyone's tweeting and sharing from their Sunday sermons. How about you hold on the little nugget of truth, let it boil in your heart for a day or two, let it produce some some fruit, some change in you, and then share it after you've had a few days to reflect on it and to grow from it. Uh, I, I think that. The, the social media has, has gotten this place where we have to be about now. I've got, I've got to share. I've got to share now. No, you have to share. You have to share, but you don't have to do it right now. You can focus right now. It can be, like Jeremy said, it can be you and God in the castle, that moment of protection, a moment of, of intimacy, and you can share what you, what, you, what you gain from that later on. And you need to share it, but you don't have to do it right now. And then as far as the, the sub-layer and the, the conversation that goes on beyond the sermon, my church uh, brought on a new pastor last year, a new lead pastor, and uh, we had one night where they were doing like a Q&A, kind of like, um, what would you do with this kind of thing. It was kind of a weird service, but um, my brother and one of our friends was uh, tweeting at him. We, we know that the pastor had been here for three years on staff, and we were basically promoting him. And so we're, they're tweeting at him during the whole thing, asking him random questions, silly stuff, you know, uh, What's your favorite superhero, uh, boxers or briefs, rid- ridiculous questions that were designed to you just kind of you know, knock him off his game and make him laugh while he was up there on stage. And it was kind of humorous. But if if somebody knew you were at church and saw you being silly when you're tweeting there in church, doesn't it make you look bad and doesn't it make your church look less than engaging? 
I think you're right, Phil. There's a lot to be said about being mindful of what you're doing regarding tweeting in church. It isn't something that should be necessarily taken lightly. And I, I I think our conclusion can be, if you're going to tweet during service... Make sure it's well thought out. Otherwise, save it for later. I'll also push back with this fact that um, a lot of people are anti-technology, and that's not what we're saying here. And some people are saying that they're anti-technology in church. That's not what we're saying here. But I think that it's also great that if you can challenge your people, there's kind of a balance here of how much do you respect the Sabbath and the fact that people don't take it, and how much do you respect the fact that of evangelism because people don't do it. And so there's kind of this conundrum here of all this stuff going on. And I would say that if you can get every single buddy, every single person in your church service uh, on Sunday, right at the very end to tweet one challenge to everybody that they are just following them, that would be amazing. If you can, if you can encourage that throughout the week, even better because they're, they're protecting their Sabbath. So for me, maybe that's where the line gets drawn. I think you're absolutely right. If if everyone did that, that would be extremely powerful. It would be purposeful. It wouldn't be going on during the service. And, you know, I think you bumped into a possible future podcast topic, and that is using iPads and devices during the church service, using the e-Bibles and that kind of thing. So maybe we'll we'll talk about that next time. All right, on this episode of the Church Mad Podcast, we're going to be talking to Church Mag author Jeremy Smith. Jeremy Smith is a youth worker at the Air Force Academy Chapel in Colorado Springs. He's currently attending the Denver Seminary for his Master's Counseling in Mental Health, which often you'll hear in the podcast. Jeremy does a great way of applying this knowledge as he mentally breaks us all down. <laughs> uh, he also, you are really educated, Jeremy. Jeremy has a bachelor's degree in computer engineering, and master's in family ministry. You're not just going to school. You've also uh, been involved with Youth for Christ for eight years. So obviously the church, missions, ministry, the youth, and yes, even technology are near and dear to your hearts. Welcome to Church Mag Authors 5 Questions. All right, Jeremy, let me ask you, where do you keep your mobile phone at night oh um it's my alarm clock so i have to have it beside me mm. unfortunately i'm that tool that checks it first thing in the morning to see what so impressing emails i've gotten twitter messages and all that stuff so it is beside me and I do check it first thing in the morning unfortunately i see so you you never thought about buying an alarm clock or is that your kind of like your your cloak of keeping it near you for check-in syndrome? No, my, my wife has the alarm clock on her side. Ah, uh, I see. I, I'm a little suspicious, Jeremy. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it sounds like you're making an excuse that your wife lets you keep it by the bed. Oh, it's a total excuse. All right. Well, at least we got that out there. Hopefully she doesn't listen to the podcast. Okay. <laughs> what was your favorite and least favorite thing? I know that's technically two questions, but come on. What is your favorite and least favorite thing about the Church Mag's Top 30 Church Tech Blogs. What is your favorite and least thing about putting that together? You've now put it together two years in a row, yeah. and this this is not an easy task. Yeah, so when I blog, I usually am using my creative side, my, oh my goodness, I'm actually writing, what am I doing? I never loved this in high school kind of side of my brain. But whenever I'm doing the Church Mag 
list. It's it's using the side of my brain that doesn't necessarily get used, even though I'm always writing about technology. So I love to geek out on statistics and Excel functions and coming up with all this data research and mining. And, oh, it's so geeky and so awesome. So for me, I'm always tweaking the formula before I publish it. I'm always trying to get the best results so that so that what we're presenting to everybody is accurate and amazing and people can say, wow, my blog has done amazing or, oh, I need to improve on this. And so for me, that's the best part of the entire experience. And maybe the worst part of the experience is getting people on board and not that they're resistant to it. They just don't know. And so we have a lot of people that are wanting to do it. They just don't know they want to do it yet. And so going out and connecting with all those people and doing my little sales pitch of, hey, do you want to join the magazine top list? And then there's other people that are instantly on board and I just need a few more people. So that that, that would probably be the worst part of the experience. Well, then that leads to the next question, Jeremy. Excel or numbers? Oh, Excel. Wow, he didn't even hesitate. <laughs> now, this this is outside of the five questions. Why, may I ask? Honestly, if I'm truly blunt about it, I've grown up Microsoft Office my entire life. So for me, I've already memorized all of the Excel functions. So for me, I don't want to learn everything in numbers again. I don't want to memorize the API or the function set. Name your three most favorite blogs. Not counting my own. Jeremy, no. You can't include your own. (laughs) Um, To give it a little variety, I would say The Verge has amazing up-to-date technology topics. So I love to just have that whole list of uh, content coming and flowing through. And then I would say youthministrymedia.ca. He's a youth worker that everything he's doing is exactly what I want to be doing, except he's Canadian. So I can't have that. So I I have a little bit less awesomeness than him. Um, Colby, shout out to you. And then finally, the third one would be dustin.tv without the I. And that's less about the fact that the blog is awesome and more about the fact that he's amazing. And every time I go to his website, I want to be a better creative blogger. And I'm just in awe of how he does blogging. Jeremy, final question. Da-da-da. What did you want to grow up and be when you were seven years old? <laughs> and so I was sitting in first grade, and this is going to sound really cheesy and dorky, and I'm okay with that. Sitting in first grade saying, you know what? I need to figure out what I'm going to be in life. They give us this homework assignment. Where are you going to be? Everybody comes up with a random thing like astronaut and, and uh, firefighter and princess and all these typical things and I'm like I want to be a dad so literally for 20 years of my life I wanted to be a dad I finally got to be one last year awesome awesome Jeremy thank you for being on five questions cue the rocky music well Phil did it live up to what you were hoping it would be that and so much more (laughs) wow I blush. I blush. <laughs> I, honestly, Jeremy, I had no idea you had you had so many degrees. That's incredible. I know it's one of those things. It's both. Awesome. Get a life, brother. No, stop it. <laughs> no, Did you hear that, Jeremy? Did you hear the jealousy in his voice? <laughs> Was it Actually, jealousy or truth? It is. Je- it is jealousy. <laughs> All right, it's time for the top post from around the web with us. That's not a very catchy title, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Phil. What is one of your favorite top posts from around the web that you'd like to talk about today? Well, uh, last night, I guess it was, uh, 
I was uh, all of my Twitter feed, if I'm going to do a call back to the previous segment, and uh, I saw some of my uh, some of my uh, my good friends in the tech world were were complaining about iOS seven, and uh, were, were, I was struck by a few tweets, um, uh, one from uh, John Saddington, complaining about people complaining about iOS seven, and uh, who's John Saddington? That is uh, Tent Blogger. That is the uh, the head of Eight Bit and about a hundred other different startups. Uh, I think. Never heard oh, of that's right. Yeah, that that's right. Remember him? And, no. <laughs> well, at any rate, he. Um, he was talking about how people uh, were complaining about iOS 7. He's like, it's a, it's a beta, guys. It's, this is what it is. And then he linked to an article that we'll, we'll include in the, um, on the on the Trichback page from uh, TUAW, TUAW the, uh, un- the unauthorized or unofficial Apple uh, weblog. I'm glad they abbreviated it. How would you pronounce that, Phil? It would be like, Yeah. I don't know. It's got a, it has the apple leaf over the U, which as a Spanish teacher, I want to emphasize that, that letter. I don't know. It'd be How terrible. would it be in Spanish then? Wow, I guess. I'm not sure. I mean, I speak Spanish, but... We should only type this. We should never speak of this website yes. like this again. No, we should not. T-U-A-W uh, had an article on there, um, and I'll give the author's name real quick because I want to give him cr- credit. Uh, Chris Rawson, and uh, he had a great take on it where he's basically saying, if you're not a developer and you're not, if you don't, if you don't have to have iOS 7 for your job, don't have it. Don't install it. Don't pay the hundred bucks to get get things uh, ahead of time. It's not ready. Uh, there's a reason why you don't eat food that isn't properly cooked. It will make you sick. If you don't want your iPhone to have an upset tummy, don't install iOS 7 until it's publicly released. And I just... I love the article because I feel like so many people uh, expect technology to be perfect all the time because so many people have, have bought into the myth that technology always works or should always work. Technology shouldn't always work. If it always worked, it means we're never improving it, we're never fixing it, we're never moving on from where we are. iOS 7 is a huge design departure. It's a huge, uh, I, I want to say innovation, but it sounds like too much of a fanboy term. It's, it's a huge... St- um, Phil, you're a fanboy. Just... just- Say that. Just use the term. I know I am. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be unbiased here. It's it's a major change. I just. Uh, I feel like it's a great article and a great wake up call to so many people who feel like, oh, I can iOS seven now. I should definitely go ahead and do that. And it's just it's a mistake. It's a developer release. It's for people that want to start working with it early. It's a bleeding edge release. It's the same reason why you don't run the latest release, the bleeding edge release of WordPress for your live site. Because there's there's security issues, there's all kinds of things. So the only people that really should be using this are either people who have no should be developers who are working on an app who need to make sure that it's going to work on the new S or develop currently developing one and make sure that when it is released that it works, and people who have absolutely no patience whatsoever. <laughs> I honestly see that as people, you know, the rich kid that was in your high school that was just complaining about. The dumbest things, and you're like, shut up, you're so annoying. I feel like we're back in high school, and these kids are like, oh, poor is me because I have the latest iOS 7, and it's just not working exactly how I want it to really. You're going to complain about that because I want iOS 7 really bad. I don't think that there's, I'm actually against fill in. I don't think it's very inv- innovative. It's a great cut, a uh, great makeup on their current iOS. But that being said, I really want to have it. I really want to play with it. I really want that new design. And I don't want to take that risk, just like you're saying. And so I'm sitting here waiting until fall. And I think that they're just complaining. And so I have a whole elitist 
seriously, you're going to complain about something as dumb as that kind of spiel. All right. Um, so my post is a recurring series that's on Church Mag right now with the Tech Wreck. And so I love the fact that we are exploring some of the different uh, stories that go on in technology because if you've been doing it for more than five minutes, you know that there's some kind of mayhem that's going on in your life and then everybody becomes your personal best buy community that wants to ask you how to fix things. So I love the fact that Phil, you have had some great ones and you just recently posted the one about the cassette tape. Check it out in the link. It's hilarious. And so everybody has those different experiences, but then you go to church as family believers that say, oh, we love each other and we want to see each other and how, how we can support what's going on in your life. And if you do church tech, sometimes you believe that and sometimes you're like, really? People just keep looking back at me because I missed a slide and I need to. Like, <laughs> yeah, Jeremy, you're a tech church geek. Go into the booth, okay? Go into the booth. Don't make a sound. Make sure that we don't notice you. We don't want to see your face, okay? Go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I... I love the fact that you shared that story. And then not only did you share that story, but when the technology just absolutely failed, they still went for it. And then they decided, you know what? Next time we need to get the technology fixed. Yeah. And I think like, that's almost every single case, every single time. You know, it, it does feel good when you read that somebody has experienced exactly what you've experienced. And, you know, the next time you go to church and you're in the sound booth and something doesn't work, guess what you're going to think of? You're going to be like, wow, I know that feel. Yeah. Phil knows how I feel. It's almost exactly. initiation in, in retrospect because I've seen a lot of different people just start to do technology. And you're like, oh, I love this. This is so cool. And then something happens and it's like, welcome to the club. Welcome to the yeah. club. <laughs> you, you have much to learn, young Padawan. <laughs> you yeah, will be disappointed in all of this and you will love it at the same time. Fail, you will. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell you what. I, I love doing doing uh, sound for church and all kind of stuff, but I actually I quit doing it because people kept complaining. I couldn't. I did it for like I want to say eight to nine years, and I, I had to quit because I could not deal with the constant complaints people had. We were doing sound in a gym for for like the last uh, two years of that, and I'm like. Guys, we're in a gym. Whoa, whoa. You were getting complaints about doing sound in the gym? I mean, you as a sound engineer should have been complaining to the whole church about doing sound in the gym. I did, trust me. It was a weird situation. On on Sundays, I didn't get a lot of complaints. Um, but uh, on Wednesdays, uh, our uh, youth band, it was, a, it was a rock and roll worship band, so the guitar should be loud. And we had one kid who played keys. And a lot of older people who well-intentioned people, good people that I love and care about, felt like the piano should be louder because the piano always led in the older style worship services. And then there's one lady, God bless her, the keyboardist was her grandson. And so once or twice, maybe three times, she looked up at me in the booth and gave me the universal sign for keyboard and gave me a thumbs up and told me to turn it up. And I looked at her and smiled. Oh, that is like, that is, it was oh terrible. my goodness. There's nothing worse than, than people from the audience directing the yeah. engineering. Well, and the problem was her grandson, he was really shy and he didn't play very loudly. I couldn't turn him up anymore. It was, he was, he was redlined on, on my end. You know, she didn't, she didn't understand. She doesn't know how it works. It's all magic up there. It, it was impossible to bring him up any louder, but she felt like, because it's, it's her grandson, because piano should be louder in church. She kept giving me, you know, instructions. It was very frustrating. 
Sorry, Jeremy, until I just took away your story there. <laughs> Jeffrey, what the whole story, Phil? No, I got it. That's good. Oh, that, that, that was Jeremy's post, huh? <laughs> yeah. That was. <laughs> Jeremy, Phil, I'm, you're like the conversation hijacker. You have, like, guns blazing today. I, I'm glad you brought that up, Jeremy. Let me, let me share my thoughts on that for five minutes, please. <laughs> Everyone, mute your mics. It'll be a long one. Here we go. Not only did I quote his article, but then he further attended me. <laughs> I know. Then he, like, wrote one on air. <laughs> on the live record, he writes an entire post. That's what happens when you have bloggers doing a podcast. That, That's what happens. That is true. That is true. Suddenly you have a, an 800-word monologue. Yeah. All right, guys. I guess we'll do another podcast. All right, maybe. Are we going to have to edit the part about you talking about voodoo? I'm not endorsing it or anything. Oh, putting this in the blooper reel without context would be amazing. Every podcast should have a laugh track. So, wait, should, should I be your edit man? Do <laughs> one of those laughs for five minutes. Okay, we're deleting all of that. Please, especially the edit man laugh I did. If that is an invitation to use the edit man laugh, I don't know what is. <laughs> this is Oak Touch Productions.